0: Our text this morning is the uh, second reading in Romans chapter 10. I'm going to take you back there to uh, verses 12 and 13. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is our text. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Uh, there's some talk here from Paul about the commandments uh, that Moses brought down the mountain, and uh, it reminds me of something that uh, has sort of struck me over the years. With you know, when God talks to you, He never. He never tells you to do something that you'd do anyway. He's always telling you something else. <laughs> I guess he figures if you're going to do it anyway, he doesn't have to tell you. But, uh, so, but, you know, but why does anyone tell someone to do anything? Uh, it's always kind of the same thing. It's because they wouldn't do it. If they didn't get told to do it, uh, then they wouldn't wouldn't occur to them or they wouldn't want to or whatever, but, you know, even then, when someone is told what they ought to do, I have spent some time as a military officer and as a parent and I guess a few other capacities in my lifetime. Even if you do tell somebody what to do, even if you have the authority to tell them what to do, well, I'll put it this way, if you ask a mom or a wife what happens when they tell somebody to do something, does it happen? And you would have to say, "Mm, sometimes, right? I mean, it's kind of like that. As human beings are predictable in one thing, only they do what they want, and sometimes they'll listen to reason, Uh, but not always. And, And this is the same difficulty that God has with us. If Paul says, Moses writes about righteousness, uh, and, and it's based on the law, uh, the law being the Ten Commandments coming down the mountain and all the other stuff that he brought down with him. And uh, if anyone decides to be righteous that way by the commandments, then uh, if, if they think that that is going to give them the kind of righteousness that deserves God's favor, well, then they're going to have to do all the commandments. And, and not only do they have to do all the commandments, they have to do all the commandments all the time. Whatever they say, you have to do perfectly if you're going to have the kind of righteousness that Moses writes about. Well, this is there's a, a problem there. I think you're aware of that. If you hang around Lutherans even a little bit, you know there's a problem with that. Uh, but here's Paul. He's writing this letter to his church in Rome, even though he's never been there, he knows who's who, who's there or what kind of people are there. And there are a lot of Jews in that church. They're Jewish Christians, mind you, but Jews, uh, Jewish Christians also think that they had to do all the things that Moses commanded. And, and they also, uh, unfortunately, thought they could. I would suppose, you know, if you're faced with that, do not murder thing you could probably say I don't do that you know Jesus would have some other things to say uh, and they're not very positive but ultimately what you need to understand is you can't and they should have known that they can't otherwise uh, if if they could then um, the Hebrew people would have been fine with God and everything would have been great and they wouldn't have been any captivity or exile or oppression or difficulty of any kind They would have been just fine but it didn't work that way Uh, And everything wasn't good with God all the time. The other problem is, if anybody could do the stuff that the commandments say uh, in the kind of perfection that God commands, uh, then why would Christ come? I mean, why would he need to come? Um, What would he have to suffer like he did for? Uh, What did he die for? For whom? I mean, if you can do the stuff, then you should just go do it and be done. Everything would be fine. Except we all know it doesn't work that way. So Paul was trying to help the people in Rome understand that. It does seem kind of obvious, at least to me, that if God commands something, we ought to do it. I mean, that's just sort of obvious. It's, well, it's not a lot different than parents telling their kids what to do or some military officer telling them what their guys are supposed to It doesn't always work like it's supposed to, but it, it seems like if God bothers to command you something, you should be getting after it. Uh, and if we don't, and we don't, or at least not the way we ought to, we should expect trouble from God. It, it just seems sort of automatic and... Evident. Then comes the rest of the story. Do you do enough to keep God happy? Can you? Uh, Do you believe hard enough to make good things happen when you want them to? I mean, God says if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can kind of do whatever you need to do. Do you have that kind of faith? Are you... Committed enough to suppose that Jesus didn't waste his time looking after you? So, well, see, here we sit. We know the answers to these questions. If, if you're honest with yourself and with God, you know the answer to those questions. You, you don't do enough because you sin. You don't believe enough because you doubt. You can't commit enough. To be seen as holy, and that whole combination of things is kind of unhopeful if you're standing in front of God. It's uh, a problem. Paul is telling you a couple of things here that are undeniable. It's, It's the word of God. So the word of God is the truth, and here you are stuck. First thing is, no one can do, no one can live the righteousness demanded by the commandments of God. Nobody can do all of that. You have enough trouble with the very first commandment, you shall have no other gods. Well, frankly, if you sin at all, that means something else was more important than what God told you to do in the first place. So then that means you had something else that was more God than him, and you already are off the rocks. You can't win that battle. No one can get Jesus to do anything either. You can't uh, do anything, ask anything, make anything happen to to get Jesus' arm to move. It doesn't matter how good you are, how hard you believe, how committed you are. It doesn't work that way. Because he's God and you're not. And it's kind of a good thing that that's true. Because if, if you had that kind of power, you'd have God doing all kinds of stupid things. So it's a good thing that we say thy will be done because our will's not so good. You can see how that would go. Ultimately, if Jesus does anything, and as it turns out, he does lots of stuff. If he does anything, especially the part where he saves you and grants you righteousness by his forgiveness, by taking away your sins and making them of no importance anymore in his own blood, in his sacrifice, in his cross. If he does that, It was his will in the first place. It's that that will of his father and he together, he and the father being one that makes it happen for you. It's just uh, never going to happen any other way. Secondly, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He says this outright, I suppose. Um, uh, Having translated this recently, I might say everyone, whoever or whenever they call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, It's not a lot different, but I I think maybe it... uh, makes it a little less like you call on the name of the Lord and he has to save you. It's not like that. It doesn't work like that. But in any case, do you call on him? You call on the Lord when you need something? If you do, and I'm just going to say, you know, by my own observation, it seems like that happens around here quite a bit, one way or another. Then what Paul is saying is that the word is near you the word of God is near you it's in you uh, and it's in your mouth and it's in your heart and the reason that he says that is because if that were not true you wouldn't call on anything you wouldn't call on the name of the Lord if it wasn't in you already to call on the name of the Lord if you didn't believe in the name of the Lord then you wouldn't call on him you wouldn't think well what has he got to do with me I mean this is kind of where atheists are they don't pray Or if they do, it's not to God. It doesn't work that way. You believe first and then you call or else you wouldn't call. That word is in you already. The Holy Spirit is in you already. Then you call. It's because you heard God when he spoke, all of that stuff in scripture, all the stuff that he revealed, all the things about Jesus, and you listened to him and you believed. That's what happened to you. The reason that happened, though, is not because you're so wonderful. doesn't work like that. Uh, not because you called on the name of the Lord and it was all on you because then you can make it happen. No, it's because the Holy Spirit is in you. God granted you his Holy Spirit, his gift to you so that you can believe, that you can hear, that you can call on the name of the Lord. And, and on top of that, because that Holy Spirit that's in you, you know that he hears when you pray. You know that he answers when you call because you believe his promise. And he said, when you call, I will answer. You believe because he sent someone to teach you, to speak his word to you, even if it was to speak his word to you over the waters of baptism to make you whole again, even when you were a baby or whatever. That word is the thing that has caught your mind, caught your heart, and caught the confession of your mouth to make Christ's salvation your own. You heard His promise and you believed. The Holy Spirit gave you faith and called you in faith. And you are saved in faith toward your Lord and Savior. All of that happened because God made it so. And now you can call on the name of the Lord with perfect confidence knowing that you will be saved. Nothing else is needed. Nothing else is possible. And it's all been accomplished. It does matter what you believe. Because, I mean, you know, people say I believe in God and have no idea what they're talking about. And people believe in all kinds of other stuff, which is just not good. But you believe a couple of things that really matter, the things that have been real uh, revealed to you. You believe, first of all, and this is a part that we skip a lot. It is part of the content of your faith, that whole big body of stuff that you believe, that you sin. That's why you come in here and you say, I sin." That's why you confess it before God, because you need to say the truth with him and be forgiven. You can't stop sitting. So this is a part of your faith. You heard it from God. You say, oh, yeah, that's right. You can pay attention to that. You can see it. It's not complicated. You also believe that that's not the end of the story, that Christ died to save you. He went to a cross to forgive you. He rose from the dead to give you life where there is only death. He sent his Holy Spirit so that you would believe these things and make you whole. All of that is your faith. All of that is faithful and true. And you know that it's true because it came from your God who revealed it to you. And the Holy Spirit, that makes it so in your heart and in your mouth. These things have been given These things you have heard, these things you have believed, and so you call on the name of the Lord and are saved. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.